0: Hello there beautiful beings, welcome back to the Starseed Network Podcast. I'm your host and personal spirit guide, Saula Ilona Vaida, bringing you with me on this journey of exploring our spiritual and human experience on earth, speaking to incredible lightworkers, creators, artists, and starseeds all around the world and exploring our collective ascension process. As always, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Your presence, your attention, your time is so valued and appreciated. And make sure if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a positive rating and review, share with someone who might resonate, tag us on Instagram at the Starseed Network at Sound of the Starseed, and thank you so much for being here. So today I'm really excited to be joined by an incredible woman, Julie Hoyle, who is sharing about her radical awakening experience how she's been holding the light um for many many years now and paving the way essentially for all of these you know almost you know normalization and frequencies that we have so available to us on earth now so it's really incredible to talk to people who are from a different generation who We're anchoring in and holding these codes in, you know, these previous waves, these earlier waves that have actually created such a profound and fertile land for us now as in our generation of star seeds, to you know this third wave this younger generation to really pick up the reins and pick up and and continue on this work so julie has her own podcast on youtube where um called talking true with julie hoyle where i also interviewed um I, she interviewed me on her podcast, which is going to be available in the link below as well. If you want to have a listen to that interview, it was such a lovely experience connecting with her. And she was so kind as to come on to, to this podcast as well. And we are talking about her awakening experience. She offers sessions, she is an art teacher. Um, uh, probably the best art teacher you'd want to have as your art teacher. And um she is creating her her own show out here on YouTube. So I'm so excited for you guys to take in this interview. and I hope you enjoy all right. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to hear about your story and hear about your awakening process and everything that that you've been living and embodying. and Yeah, I would just love for you to share from wherever you feel like beginning um, what your awakening process has been.
1: Yeah, so thank you so much for inviting me. This is a real honor and a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I do love to share because stories just make everything more accessible for people, I think, especially when they're going through the awakening process. Yes. So, um, just for context, I'm going to start from when I was really, really young. I mean, as young as I can possibly remember, mm. I was having lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences, angelic visitations, and also visitations from deceased loved ones. Mm. So, I became very aware that there was more to life than you know what was presented kind of in, the, in this, through the body and, you know, what we're being told about who we are and all of those things. Um, and so that went on for many, many years. And, and psychic gifts were clearly evident, um, you know, in me as a child. And I, I sort of naturally assumed that that was true for everybody else. And then when I started speaking about these things, I realized that that wasn't true. And, you know, people that I spoke with in, in my kind of immediate environment weren't having the same kinds of ex- life experiences, you know. Um, so I learned to keep quiet. And then mm-hmm. when I was about 14, I think, around that time, I felt like the psychic gifts and the psychic phenomenon that was part of my life was too weighty for me because Mm. I didn't know what to do with it because I couldn't talk to anybody about it and so I looked so yeah so I looked up at the sky and and said god please take this away Mm. because I wanted to be a normal teenager (laughs) Mm. um so anyway all of that disappeared and then fast forward to when I was in my early 30s I was married and my husband and I had you know moved to the Bahamas we have been here I think for about I don't know eight or nine years or something like that and we were meant to be living the dream but there was I just felt discontent because I was always looking for someone who I felt could reflect back to me what I'd experienced as a child I was Mm -hmm. looking for somebody that could kind of validate all of that not that I needed validation I didn't but I felt I needed company I was looking for people of like mind who could you know we could have I could have conversations with and I really couldn't find anybody it was really frustrating um so there was all of that going on in the background and then what happened is I started to develop a very painful back condition Mm. that um I discovered was two bulging discs and Mm. it left me um and if anybody who's listening has had back problems you know what the pain is like it's really intense so um, I was on bed rest for close to two months and mm. during that time my grandmother who had deceased many years before came to me in a lucid dream and she said to me pray you must pray mm so i did what she said you know because i was desperate Uh, so i started to pray and the the way i prayed was it was very sort of transactional (laughs) (laughs) i you know (laughs) i prayed to god and said god please help me with this back condition if you can heal this back condition then i promise i'll start going to church Mm. so um literally as soon as that prayer was offered amazing things started to happen for example there was a knock on the door one day I opened the door and it was this woman who said she was a friend of a friend and she'd heard I had back problems and she was a Reiki healer and she Mm. did energy work and she was offering me a free energy healing
2: Mm. so
1: so I said yes and I I did a transaction, I gave her some of my paintings, I did silk paintings at the time, so we did this lovely exchange. She did Reiki healing on me, she came for two or three sessions, and I started to feel better almost immediately, and um, so to cut a long story short, you know, things started to pick up, I was able to function and move and you know, uh, go back to work and all of those things. I started going to church and then a few weeks after that I heard about a meditation group that was happening literally less than half a mile from where I'd lived mm. and I had always wanted to meditate so I thought okay let me go along and see what this meditation's about and I think I had a feeling it would help with the back condition because I didn't want it to come back Mm. So, um, so anyway, I went to this meditation group. The people were lovely, for you know, professional people, and that was important to me rather than kind mm. of kooky people. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I know it sounds kind of shallow, but that was where I was at. <laughs> anyway, um, so I went along, and it was held every Wednesday from like I don't know at eight o'clock till nine thirty or something like that. So mm. I went for two weeks and or three weeks I forget now but I couldn't I just couldn't meditate even though the meditations were only 20 minutes long my mind wouldn't it just wouldn't keep still so what I would do is I would open my eyes look around the room and think to myself you know how is he able to or she able to sit there and look so content
2: mm. <laughs> I really ever <laughs>
1: you know, and if any, anybody's struggled with meditation, you know, I'm sure they can relate. But it was like everything inside of me was rebelling. I wanted to get up and run is how mm. I felt. It was so strong. Yeah. So I was trying to contain myself. So I went, yeah, two or three times. And then after the third failed attempt, I was driving home and I thought, okay, I've tried meditation, but it doesn't work for me. And, you know, they were nice people, but I'm not going back. That's it. I'm done.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, and then that night I had a lucid dream where, you know, and if, again, if viewers don't know what a lucid dream is, it's when you wake up in your dream and you realize this is a dream and I am Mm -hmm. dreaming. So you become conscious in your dream. So in this dream, I was in a rural setting that remind, even though I've never been to India, it. It felt like India. Mm-hmm. And I was walking up this kind of dusty path towards a low cinder block building. It was on top of the hill. And there was I was with about 10 or 15 people. I was carrying a yoga mat under my arm. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman walking with me who I had just met at the meditation group the night before. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, so we were walking towards this building we walk in the back of the building and I look at the f- to the front and inside on this low tucket, this wooden tucket, is a, is a yogi. He's like a big Buddha. He has a massive big round belly. He's wearing a white loincloth. He's sitting there with his eyes closed and his legs crossed. And the minute my eyes laid on him, I knew he was the being that I had been searching for my entire mm. life. And everything within me just bowed down in mm. front of me. And, and, and just for context, you know, I, raised, I was raised a Catholic. I had no kind of understanding of anything to do with yoga or, you know, any of the processes of yoga or anything um, so anyway, we go inside. We're inside the room. This lady who's with me said, "Unroll your mat and lay down." So I did, and I lay there for for a couple of seconds. And she said, "Repeat the mantra." So I had been taught this mantra when I during meditation the, during the meditation sessions, which is Om Namah Shivaya. Om is the primordial sound. nama means I bow to and Shiva or Shibaya is Supreme Consciousness itself. So mm-hmm. you're actually saying I bow to Supreme Consciousness or I bow to my own higher self, right? So uh, I started silently repeating the mantra and I think I repeated it maybe two or three times and then I felt this light tap on the top of my head. And I knew that the great being on this on this platform without moving a muscle Had directed his energy and he tapped the top of my head and he had awakened, he was awakening something within me. So from that tap, I felt this incredible force, this incredible power pouring through my crown chakra and into every cell of my body. Mm. And that energy started to vibrate and pulsate at an increasingly intense um, uh, level. And the more I repeated the mantra, the stronger this energy became. And I started to kind of levitate. My whole body started to lift up. And Mm -hmm. I knew that if I kept repeating the mantra, you know, and just stayed with the mantra, repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, I could hold the energy. And so I did that for several minutes. But as the energy became more and more intense, I started to feel like I cannot hold this anymore. And then I started to smell burning. It was like my my electrical circuits were were burning out. (laughs) And um, at the point where I felt like I couldn't hold it anymore, I felt myself crashing down. And then I fell through time and space. I landed my subtle body, my soul, landed into my my physical body through the heart chakra. And I mm. landed with such force, my physical body sat up in bed. And I, I, I recognized as this was happening that the, my physical body had not been breathing. Somehow there'd been like this slowing down of the breath and a cessation Mm. of the breathing process so what happened was I sat up in bed and there was this great gasp it went like this as I Mm. pulled this air into my body and it was such a loud forceful sound my husband woke up and he said what happened he was scared he said what happened and I said to him I don't know but my life will never be the same again and um, those words proved to be prophetic because I, I, I didn't know what had happened, actually. Um, but, you know, I was filled with the most profound and I couldn't go back to sleep. I started cleaning the place and going crazy and, you know, it's spending, I was mopping the floor, you know, just doing this whole purge inside the house. And then uh, a few hours later, it was time to go to work and I, d- I was driving to work and I was having to pull over on this on the side of the road because I would just start sobbing like sobbing wow. and then that would pass and then I'd start laughing hysterically so I knew something wild was happening to me I just mm-hmm. didn't know what it was so so I get to work and I my by profession I'm an art and design teacher so I was at that time teaching um uh, the first thing in the morning, I was teaching a grade 10 class of boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they used to love art. And they used to kind of run up to the art room and, you know, <laughs> be very excited. So one of them said to me, Miss Mrs. Hoyle, you need to go and get a new pair of shoes because they have a, a shoe sale on at a shoe store called Mike's, not far from where the school was. He said, you should go, you should go. And I was like, okay, thank you. I'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I kept getting the message like two or three times people were saying the same thing. So I thought to myself, I have to listen because when a message is given three times, it means something. Mm -hmm. So I just happened to have some time just after lunch. I wasn't teaching a class and I had my lunch period. So I drove out to this store, this Mike's shoe store and went in there. There was nothing there. And I thought to myself, oh, there's a unity church across the road. Let me go mm-hmm. there. Let me go visit there. I know the bookstore's out. Maybe there'll be a book there that explains what happened to me last night. Mm. So I go inside the bookstore and I'm looking at the shelves and trying to find something, and I couldn't find anything. but I felt this person coming in the store behind the bookstore behind me, and I turned around, and it was Cheryl, this woman that was in my dream from the night before.
2: Wow.
1: And uh, she said to I said, oh, my God, Cheryl, I always had this dream about you last night. And I told her and she said, oh, my God, that's so profound. You've received Shaktipat. And I was like, what? What's that? <laughs> she said, come to my house this afternoon, later this afternoon, and I'll explain what what it is, you know. And she said, I just want you to know, I haven't been in this bookstore for at least five years, but I got a strong message to come here today. And here you are.
2: Um. (laughs) So,
1: so anyway later that day I um went to Cheryl's house and told her told her dream in detail and she said wait a minute so she went into her bedroom pulled a book out from her shelf and gave it to me and it was a book called play of consciousness by Swami Muktananda and he's, he's was a shaktipat guru. He used to give initiation to awaken the kundalini. Mm. And when I opened the book and looked inside, there was this, a picture of the great being I'd seen in the night. It, I'd seen in my dream the night before. And his name is Bhagavan Nityananda of Ganeshpuri. And he is renowned in India for giving initiation and for awakening the Kundalini Shakti in Spiritual Seekers. And mm. and I said to Cheryl, oh my God, this is the the man who was in my dream last night. And so she was like, oh my God, he's a, he's a, he was a born avidut, he was born realized, he's recognized in India, he's revered in India. Um, he's like the grandfather of the whole Siddha lineage, the great beings who give Shaktipat, you're incredibly blessed and wow. so so that was the really the beginning of or the reigniting I should say I suppose of of all the gifts I came into the world with and then what happened is after after Bagram Nityananda gave me initiation it was like the, the lid was blown off completely and I started having these profound lucid dreams with great beings who would give me more initiations and teachings and sort of purification processes and and they ranged from you know the in the yogic tradition there were many from the yogic tradition Swami Ram Tirth was one of them Ananda Maima was another one Um, Ramakrishna Paramahansa was another I mean there's Mm. a, a long list and then also his Holiness the Dalai Lama kept appearing, and I've never studied Buddhism in my life. And he would mm-hmm. appear in dreams, lucid dreams. He would give me teachings about the different forms of meditation. And he would give me teachings about the heart chakra and about being guided in a guide, you know, l- listening to and acting on inner guidance. And then there were also initiations and teachings from Sufi masters. Native American uh, great beings and uh, yeah, just beings from every path, faith and tradition that you could imagine. so I would have these lucid dream meetings and I would they would speak to me and give me initiation and then I would ask I'd say can you please tell me your name? and they would tell me their name and then when I would come out you know from the dream and into waking I'd then go and do research to find out who they were so this went on for years and years and years it still does um not to the same level of intensity as 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 they they did you know as it did when I you know first happened because what happens now is I hear them in the subtle realm I hear them in the waking state and Mm. I receive messages and initiations that way so don't have to be in the dream state it's more subtle And of course, when all of that started happening, I had no clue that I'd be doing the work I'm doing now Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, doing interviews and hosting my YouTube channel and doing, you know, working with clients one on one and doing readings and helping people with shadow work and all of those things um and but you know all of that said it really helped having all of those dream meetings with these great beings because I can essentially speak to anybody from any path faith and tradition and um I can there's a commonality because Mm -hmm. I understand the belief system and often the structure around that and what that looks like and so I can work with people on a subtle level so it's been the most incredible uh, process journey call it whatever you want but um, it's it's just wow. been it's been the most amazing thing and I, I do want to say as well what happened was um, my husband and I were invited to go to India to go on staff at an ashram mm-hmm. uh, the ashram that is linked with uh, Bhagavad Nityananda's kind of lineage and we were invited to go there for a period of time but You know, I'd never been to India before, but when we landed in India and I stepped out of the airport and stood, you know, outside, it was like this absolute recognition that I had lived in India before. I knew it it was home. It was like my heart just exploded and I was just so happy to be back (laughs) in this place. So all I can think um, and feel is that I had a former lifetime with Bhagavan Nityananda of Ganeshpare. And, and he did once tell me uh, that he had called me to him to finish the work that was started before.
2: Um, yes.
1: So, um, but, you know, even then, it just amazes me that, you know, I was raised in the UK in a working-class family, you know, fairly poor family, actually. Uh, with a Catholic father, an agnostic mother, nobody interested in anything to do with spirituality or yoga or anything. And here was me from the earliest age of ever remembering anything, having this longing to find someone. I couldn't have even articulated it, you know, but um, Um. that came with me, you know. So, um, and it's been the driving force in my life and never... In a million years, did I ever imagine that I would be doing the work I'm doing now? Because I was always shy as a child, very contemplative, um, kind of withdrawn, I suppose. And um, and yet here we are.
2: <laughs>
0: wow! Ah, <laughs> oh, this that story is so epic, and wow, that is... Just, yeah, all so divinely guided, all just comes together. And that's so fascinating. This, yeah, cause our, our soul just chooses all these different lifetimes and countries and bodies and time periods to incarnate into. So it's, it's so amazing to be able to hold the witness of, you know, this lifetime and the other ones where you've, you know, been initiated and activated in other lands and continuing this work here now. And that that's so fascinating and yeah, I I totally empathize with, you know, feeling that difference, you know, you're yeah. you're physically in one place but you know that you're coming from somewhere else completely different or you're going somewhere else different and yeah that's so fascinating how have you kind of um how did you kind of you know integrate and you know merge these these worlds all of these different worlds into your being on a day-to-day basis you know kind of balancing being in the the physical world and this amazing astral world how was that for you how was that process
1: it's been challenging and and again for context let me just say that as a child I think I must have been at least seven or eight quite old (laughs) Mm -hmm. before I learned to tell time because I couldn't fathom time because to me time was always fluid and Mm -hmm. so there was just trying to figure out how to tell time was almost impossible and I do have a clear memory of my mother she went out and bought this kind of the, a little clock you know with the hands that you move around like on a card mm. or something and she was sitting with me trying to explain what 12 30 was and 12 45 and you know all of those things and I just couldn't get it and, and as a consequence I felt really stupid and I mm. know the teachers the teacher I had there at the school I was at was very frustrated as well. And I just kept, later on, I kept thinking it's probably because I'm not good at math. I'm not good with numbers and all of those things. And it wasn't until later in life and post having this awakening that I began to recognize that it wasn't that at all. It was just that I understood that time was just a man-made construct and it wasn't real. And that's always how I'd lived my life. So ironically, so here's the joke, here's the kind of cosmic joke with all of that, which is (laughs) that from very, very early on, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I had to be a teacher. So I trained, you know, I went to teacher training college. I did my degree and all of those things. And when I came to the Bahamas, I was, and I still teach. I still teach in the high school. I teach art and and designs. But I, I would always laugh because... Because I'm I've existed outside of time since I was a child and never really understood it. And and here I am in a profession that is dictated by time. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to watch the clock all day long. <laughs> yeah. And um and all of that all of that was many times now I'm it's fine, I'm okay with it, but certainly early on it was just so painful for me to have to try and constrain and contain myself. Mm. within the limitations of time and to be able to function in that when I knew who I was was behind time, was beyond time. And um, so from that perspective, it's been, it's been challenging. And then also being in a system that really elevates and puts the mind on a pedestal and relegates heart wisdom and intuition to, some someplace that's in the in the basement, so to speak. Yeah. So es- essentially everything that I do is always heart-centered and it's always intuitive and it's always creating safe spaces for students to be able to k- connect in with what feels real for them. So when they say, what color should I paint the background or what should I do, I'll say, I don't know, what do you think? What feels right for you? And so that's been my way of rebelling against (laughs) the confines and the and obviously you honor the mind you you honor the you know the the kind of rigors of the academics and so on and so forth and Mm. all of that has its place but the much a much bigger job for me since I first started teaching was about being this creating this space where students connect can connect in with source or self Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call that with respect to their own intuitive knowing and connecting into God, again, whatever that looks like for uh, for them or their belief system, and um, just moving into this timeless truth of who they are.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. And wow, yeah, that just so reminds me of kind of the concepts of, you know, loving, humble, divine service. And yeah, it's, it's so wonderful to see that, you know, you embodying all these, all these divine principles and translating it into the lives of young people, which is so impactful. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, And look that the thing that I,
1: it took me a long time to realize, and it's probably a good thing I didn't realize it because then the ego would want to sort of take charge. But what I started to notice maybe 15, 20 years ago was that, even though I'm not talking about awakening, chakras, energy, out-of-body experiences or any of anything to do with one's awakening, so to speak, the transmission of the energy within that, within my own awakening, was having an effect and still has an effect, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. what happens is even if you're not speaking about your awakening, or, you know, what you've been kind of working through or whatever, your state speaks for you. It speaks on your behalf. There's an energetic transmission that happens. And so what, what, what began to be revealed was that even though I wasn't using that language, and I really wouldn't because, you know, especially when I first started teaching in the Bahamas in the 80s, these schools are very kind of Christian and Orthodox Christian kind of mm-hmm. settings and so on and so forth. So I was very mindful of that. So I wouldn't use yogic language
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I would use language that was accessible to the students I was teaching. But, but even if I wasn't speaking about anything to do with God or Jesus or any of those things, their work would show imagery the, that reflected the light of their own being and the light of their own awakening. Mm. And I would also have students coming in and, and again, the Christian environment, they would come in with their, putting their hands together in pranam, and they would go, mm, Oh, like this. <laughs> And then many times they would say, can we come in at lunchtime to eat our lunch inside the art room because my spirit feels good in here. I feel peace in here. And then another time a boy was cleaning a board and he was going,
2: oh,
1: now that ohm is absolutely outside of their lexicon
2: when it comes
1: to the articulation of what they're feeling inside so I knew that and I was the whole time I would be repeating I still do I do do japa which is a mental repetition of a mantra and it's always omnimashivaya because that was the mantra I was given for in terms of the awakening so that's going on all the time and more recently uh, I'd say over the last 15 years or 10 years or so um, I've seen peacock feathers and ohm signs and mm-hmm. dream catches and, and, and hamsa signs and things like uh, motifs in, in our artwork that students are creating. And they're wow. investigating and exploring other realms of being. And they will often be the ones that bring their work and want to initiate conversations around what they're seeing and perceiving. So again, there's a transmission and there's a shift of consciousness within the students that I'm serving. And it's also true within the staff too, because staff will come and open up and say things to me or ask questions. And I, you know, I don't sit down talking about my awakening to everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just not appropriate, but, but by virtue of what they're saying, there's a recognition that there's a transmission and there's a shift and um,
2: there's
0: uh, a desire to know more. Wow! Yes, that is so beautiful, and and so real, you know, and so just yeah, very grounded. And yeah, it's it's very beautiful to to see that perspective. I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of the times in in modern spirituality we can get lost in a little bit of the awakening part and then don't ground ourselves in to, you know, continue, like, functioning in society or continue. And, of course, everyone's journey and everyone's mission is different. Um, But it's really, it's beautiful to see kind of another, you know, perspective of how we can navigate, you know, this 3D world while holding the frequency without, you know, needing to get everyone on their team or something or you know spread the word but just by embodiment it makes that impact
1: yes and not proselytize but just, yeah. you just that space and all of that said too that especially when I'd had a really intense and powerful lucid dream experience with a great being you know it'd give me initiation whatever it would be hard sometimes to come out of that and get showered and ready and go off to work oh yeah <laughs> So, um, you know, and then I went through a phase where I had to do shadow work because I had, in order to be able to transmit, hold, and contain the light of the self, you have to really have to do the, the work on the shadow, one's sy- psychological, you know, um, conditioning and so on and so forth. Because yeah. if you don't do that work, there'll be, there'll be um, reluctance and an unwillingness. To you know, be to allow yourself to become the container for, for the light, and um, mm-hmm. so it, shadow work's really integral to that. So there was a period when I was doing intense shadow work, uh, which wasn't easy, you know, especially when you're working and you're dealing with challenges on a day to day basis and all of those mm-hmm. things. But but it was incredibly powerful and and, and you know very necessary because yeah. if if you don't do that then the spiritualized ego can very easily slip in and want to take credit for everything that's happening yes <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so that works that's what so I've you know I've done a few little classes and exercises with my students to help them understand what the shadow is well because that's very helpful for them going forward into their lives too mm. and um we've done a few things like that we've worked on mandalas and dream catchers and stuff like that to, just as a you know as a fun projects and they really get a lot of uh meaning and benefit from doing that work.
0: Mm, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So yeah so um it, it's true of all of us you know we are uh you know we have everyone is a container for source itself it you know you and I are the self in 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 the embodied form you know
2: yeah
1: and um when I say the self I mean the higher self you know mm-hmm. obviously and um it's just a case of getting the small eye out of the way to allow the self to speak for itself and do the work mm. of awakening and transmitting this energy, mm,
2: yeah. and then
1: it, ha- it it just happens naturally. You know, like you with your with your chanting, you have to get out of the way in order for that the sort of the transmission to happen effortlessly. You can't do your work if you're sitting in ego saying, I'm so fantastic. I have such an amazing voice. I need to get the big <laughs> card right. or whatever the story might be. It just doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, of, and also like the other side of that ego, that's like, I'm so unworthy. I can't show myself. I need to be, be small. Like that's just as much ego yeah. as the over the top, like grandiosity. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. And that is, can be a stumbling point. Who am I to do this? Who am I to mm. do that? I'm not ready yet. And that, you know what I always say to people is just trust the, the not readiness or the unreadiness. Trust the not knowing because the not knowing will, will guide you. And
2: yeah.
1: you'll never be left flailing around not knowing what to do. If you, as soon as you get out of the way in terms of the small eye, then source can speak through you yeah and and that's when the magic happens as you know as i know as we all know
0: Mm. oh so beautiful (laughs) thank you so much for sharing this beautifully inspiring story and yeah if there's anything else that you might feel to share with the audience anything that's coming through you
1: Yes, you know, what I'd love to share is that I have a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. where it's called Talking True with Julie Hoyle. And I'm having the best time, seriously, I just feel so honored. Um, And Mm -hmm. just to give context, I was guided, I was told by the great being who gave me initiation in the first place to create um, a series where I'm talking to people who are going through awakenings who uh, have had near-death experiences people who are healers or people who you know offer their voice in terms of like you do sound Mm. healing so I've started a series where I'm interviewing people as I say ordinary people having extraordinary experiences of Mm. uh, awakenings and so I would invite anybody who enjoys this podcast to check it out because um it's just been really amazing and people are connecting mm. in and listening and enjoying the content. And then if, you know, if anybody wants to find me I'm on Instagram at Julie Hoyle official and mm. I have a website, juliehoyle.org. So you, you know, people can reach out and find me there too. And, um, but certainly stop by the YouTube channel because it's been really very inspiring.
0: Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so so much for, for sharing your story. You're
1: thank so your well presence
0: and your heart and all this beautiful radiance.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing as well. It's just so beautiful and um, there's a need for it.
0: Mm, thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're we're all we're all so rapidly expanding. It's mm-hmm. great to have a little home and container for all that.
1: Yes, it really is so thank
0: you yeah mm. great thank you all so much for listening i am going to link below where you can find julie on her instagram her youtube channel with her podcast and make sure to give her a follow and stay up to date with her work and as always thank you all so much for being here thank you so much for listening I'm wishing you all a beautiful morning evening, noon and night wherever you are in this beautiful world and take sweet care of yourselves
2: each morning I'm beautiful and worthy I'm safe and truly deserving speaking into existence And release your resistance Speak it into existence And release your resistance Wake up, rise up Wake up, rise up Wake up, rise up Wake up, rise up up and greet the sun I'm grateful for another one like fields of flowers grown with my two hands and tears they showered meditating